0: Our guest today is Anti Kujala who's the director of design at Amar Sports and at the same time he's also the head of design for Sundar one of the Amar Sports sub brands Anti it's pleasure to have you here with us today Thank you it's great to be here You have a really interesting background. You worked quite a long, long time at Nokia, uh, and then after Nokia years, you moved on to other roles, and uh, today you're working at uh, Ammer Sports. Can you t- talk a bit about your background? How did you end up in the current position? W- what has your career been like? It's been a, it's been a really long journey, which is a
1: cliche, but it's so true. And uh, I've been always drawing stuff, drawing cars, to drive my parents crazy. That I drew nothing but cars and. Since I was like four or something, and uh, building stuff and designing stuff, and but I never knew there's a profession called designer. I grew up in the rural Finland, and then in the in the kind of high school we did a visit to Helsinki with our class and visit the uh, University of University of Design, and I walked the industry Design class and realized that wow, there's a professional like this. I want to do this. So after a couple of changes, I ended up design, studying design. And engineering and I ended up then in 1997 to do my thesis at Nokia and uh, I spent quite a long time at Nokia I kind of joined to do my engineering thesis but I made very clear to the guys that I'm not really an engineer I want to be a designer and I ended up being a designer and the first at the Nokia Research Center for a couple of years building up all these futuristic concepts, which is super great to do right after school because you get to do crazy, crazy stuff But uh, after a while, nothing kind of went through to the the actual consumers, but uh, I kind of got tired of that research bit. But uh, Nokia had super interesting kind of times, so it was a very dynamic company. It changed the organization every 24 months or so. So there's always an opportunity. And uh, whenever I felt like, I felt like, now it's time to change, so I applied for a new role and got to be head of design for entry business unit. It was basically all this Um, emerging market products ended up to be like six and a half billion euro turnover business leading design strategy and and design operations for that and uh, also working on Nokia regional accessories leading design there so super interesting time super stressful but kind of you get to lead a lot of things you get to learn a lot of things on big scale business. And uh, then in 20, 2010, I started feeling like now it's time to do something else in life. And luckily I was looking for a design manager. So I joined in early 2011 and uh, started working first only as the product design, but then fairly quickly took on the uh, digital services. We started working and improving those. And uh, end of 2016, we had a big organizational change. So we, we formed this new digital business unit for Arm Sports. It's basically still has Suunto and Sports Tracker and Sense as the brands within the category. But then we're not only doing those brands, we're also building digital assets and digital opportunities for all other AMER brands. So that's kind of my 20 years in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, yeah. W- really well said. As um, I said, uh, today you work at Am Sports. Can you explain to our audience a bit about what does AMER Sports do? So... Uh,
1: Sports is a it's a Finnish company. It's a basically we could call it a holding company. It's running it's holding a lot of international sports brands. It's one of the biggest sports corporations in the world. So we have brands like Salomon, Atomic, Marktricks, which just purchased or acquired Peak Performance from Sweden, Suunto, Precore. So there's a lot of lot of brands who are each one of them is kind of leading or or very top level position in their business. Atomic is basically they are skiing. They're the biggest in skiing. Wilson Sporting, they are, they are the market leader in racket sports. Suunto is a market leader in diving computers, and it's one of the top three, three or four in the uh, sports watch business. So it's a, it's a great cooperation to work with. It's a collection of brands, and what we're trying to do at Suunto and the digital business unit, uh, obviously with Suunto, we, we're trying to build sporting instruments. And driving instruments, which is uh, for Finland scale and with Nokia background, super interesting business to be, in. and they uh, very fast moving. Uh, what we're also doing with this digital business, we're trying to build these assets and and ways to look at how how we actually how the brands could actually thrive in the digitalizing world. So many of the brands are doing; they're building physical goods, they're building apparel or sporting equipment, skis, shoes, you name it, and. Uh, the kind of how you thrive in the digital world what you actually have in terms of like capabilities not so clear necessarily the brands it's it's something out of the comfort zone so we're trying to build them scalable assets that could be commonly
0: used could be easily tweaked for their usage so they don't have to build everything from scratch okay interesting interesting yeah Suunto <clears throat> is a, especially in Finland is a very well known brand and all the brands that you listed there are like really known globally as well uh, so how do you work with the different brands like in your role? Uh, each of the brands have their own P&L
1: their, their profit and loss so they're responsible for their business and where they want to take the brand but uh, what we're working is like we, we work as an in-house consultant or center of excellence if you will so we're trying to showcase Projects that we have done, for example, for Suunda. So, big thing that we did with Suunda over the last two years that we we changed the or transformed the digital experience from a watch centric and web centric experience to more like mobile centric experience. And uh, it's been a it's been a massive change that we we probably made a lot of mistakes in the in the process, but we also learned a lot of things and uh, how how you actually communicate with the users, how you actually utilize the mobile which is a completely different way to interact with your consumers. It's much more than just showing them data. Actually, it's a communication platform. And this is something we, we've been bringing to the brands that how to actually utilize the mobile platform. We, we're trying to share as much of the same code base of the assets we have like mobile apps. Uh, we utilize same analytics tools and so, but we, we're trying to help the brands to see the light and I think the best way is show and by, lead
0: by example. Okay, so is it so that the brands, not all of the brands have like their own digital units, but it's more centralized in, 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 on, a, on a group level?
1: Yeah, so <coughs> the brands, I think what, what digital is happening in the brands is more to do either with the ICT, so obviously there's some global ICT organization, uh, and then the digital marketing. But, uh, and then I think the brands have done, they've been creating apps over the last five years or so, and um, but those apps have not shared like common tools so what we're trying to help them is like okay if you want to really build like succeeding successful app you want to get traffic downloads you want to influence how people actually interact with your brand you can't just do this one-off cases you have to really invest in it and doing that is kind of
0: it's expensive it calls for expertise so we're trying to bring that expertise to the brands okay <clears throat> it's, it's really interesting concept this stuff like central center of excellence where you have all the knowledge on how to succeed in a digital front and then the brands bring their business mm-hmm. side of it and then you help them, like, them to succeed on, on this area uh, can you talk some something about like success stories from this like working this model or, like what has been like really something that stuck into your mind that this really went well
1: uh, with the army branch we are still in the in the learning process so there's things that I can't st- talk about yet but hopefully mm. there will be some cool news coming uh, we did a I think at one of these kind of wake up campaigns there's a couple of campaigns we did one with Atomic when they launched their new uh, ski range we actually managed to utilize Post Tracker in just driving traffic to the site to the level that was kind of almost unheard of for the cases so we actually are we have been showcasing that we can drive traffic and awareness in a much much kind of economical level than for example doing that through facebook or google hmm. sorry google guys <laughs> but uh i think we we've been able to get kind of find people who would be interested in a brand through the tools that we have and just be very very effective at trying to traffic we did the same with uh, a campaign with someone and uh, obviously there's stuff that we were trying to Going forward,
0: it's going to be some cool stuff coming. Okay, well, we can't really wait for those. Um, so, the design organization—how is it now organized in, in amateur sports? So, what doing what we did actually two years ago,
1: roughly with uh, our unit, is that I used to be reporting to Head of RD at soondet times, and I had a great boss. However, it's when you're reporting, when you're part of some other organization, you're always a little bit subordinate role to the rest of the leadership team. And uh, the change that we did in, in beginning of 2017, the design now reports to the head of the category. So we in the leadership team, both with Suunto and with this uh, digital category team. And uh, I think it's so much easier to work with because you actually are equal partner. It's almost like this unsaid kind of fact on the table that you are you are equal. So you can influence the strategy, you are invited to the same conversations, you actually get to shape the process, you get to shape the way things are done, you, you get to influence the choices the brand makes. And I urge everybody, I mean, each, any company in this world, you should have, if you're working with branded goods, if you're trying to
0: work with, if you're in the consumer business, you should definitely have design in your leadership team. Mm true and this is the t- challenge for in many companies is that like for designers that to have their kind of their voice being heard of in the in high enough levels and it's, and it's great that at Amer sports you guys are championing this and having design in the boardroom rather than reporting to the boardroom uh, what would you say in this respect like that now that you guys are there what has changed for the designers working on the kind of on the axial concrete stuff? What what has changed now that you are you are sitting in this uh, boardroom level position? Obviously, the
1: visibility on things and kind of looking forward, kind of visibility and the horizon has opened up to the guys much better. So we actually get to see, and I try and, I try to do a lot of sharing with my team. I believe in this, the the uh, kind of stand my crystal ideology that you you can share you can never share too much and uh, I think that's definitely helping because the guys know what's going to go on and if you know what's going what's going on around you where the company is kind of heading what are the discussions about the future it's much easier to provide answers and ideas to support that um, we've been able to shape the uh, processes so I 'm actually now owner. For the, I was made the owner of the whole R&D process for Suunta for example and uh, we managed to shape so that we take much more kind of conceptual thinking at the beginning of any project and we're trying to do rapid sprints instead of doing a long long kind of technology driven or business driven uh, concepting projects so we're trying to get the process more agile and more kind of consumer facing so you get to influence things like this and uh, I think you get to make questions, get to do questions. And I think it's surprising how, how much you can actually improve and help the comps, companies to do the, make the right questions in the early stages. And we had a, when we started bringing this early consulting ideology into processes, I remember working with one of the uh, senior leaders whom I respect a lot. And uh, we did a design sprint in the beginning of a, a product program a project and I uh, remember we went to interview people in a consumer electronic store like future buyers of this product and uh, afterwards this person came to me and said oh it's fantastic it was the first time I was actually doing these interviews with real consumers and I was like my god you've been in this business for over 20 years <laughs> and this is the first time you actually participate in consumer interviews or consumer empathy so I think it's definitely worth it we it's
0: a high time to bring it in. Yeah, and I, <clears throat> yeah, that's, a, that's a, you raise a really good good point that it's design and the kind of customer insight. It's not only for the people who practice it as a full time job, but it should be for something that everybody in the company gets exposed to the customer, especially on the consumer brands. Like for everybody working on the company should have a face time with the actual customers to have the empathy in, yeah. in, in it. I remember like from the at the one point I was doing quite a lot of. The, Uh, ethnographic research at Nokia Times Uh, and uh, what it helped me as a designer even though of course design has always been part of the kind of customer research and and user validation but still working there on the field it helped me to kind of bring multiple voices in my head on like when I'm doing design I remember the stories from the different like uh, uh, research interviews like this guy was doing it this way and this was his thinking kind of gives you perspective that it's not, all, not everybody thinks like you do. So I think I really think that everybody should should be talking to the actual end customers. Yeah, it was
1: fantastic. I mean, now that you mention it like back in, I don't know, it's like dinosaur times, but in Nokia, when working with the entry business unit, we, we didn't really have much data of the entry consumers because the population was vast, and we hadn't started from that kind of part of our business. But we we started building up this hypothesis of the, our target segment with our consumer insight guys. We actually, I remember we built these uh, almost like caricature like comic characters of the target segments and then we started designing around those. I remember I was kind of super scared at the time okay, is this going to be right? Is somebody going to laugh about this in the, in the real business side of things? But we actually followed that, followed that vision that we had okay, this. At the time, we felt like there's a parallel universe. There's people out there in the developing countries who are exactly like us, but they are just like having, earning 10 times or sometimes 100 times less money than we are, but they have the same kind of, you have the business, kind of businessmen you, and women. You have the young people who wanna show their lifestyle. You have um, kind of fashion, people who want to be fashionable and so on. And we actually built the whole roadmap and design strategy based on that work and i remember we went to new delhi launching the new range i remember the head of the business telling that yeah now we actually have seen the light that we changed the whole strategy based on this and i was like wow we did something right yeah so it's it's super important to try and understand who you're designing for and it's kind of never it's always been there but i think when you once you're in the leadership team level you get to influence the others which of course, you have to promote the ideas. It's not on the CFOs or R and D leaders' first
0: priority necessarily. So that's your responsibility to bring it up to people's mind. Mm. <clears throat> and the 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 reason for for some reason uh, it has been taking a bit of a like back seat in like few past few years. Things are evolving so fast that like the, if you remember the times that we were working at Nokia developing something was like really slow so you had actually for design and and research you had quite a lot of time to do your due diligence before the uh, making any decisions whereas today it's like it's it's all so fast-paced world that uh, often it feels that there is no time to do research when we discuss to the like client potential clients for instance they are expecting let's start developing this and then we launch and then then we start learning how do you like guys address this this part of it it's super it's a super super interesting question i and
1: um we've been a lot of my time and my team's time is obviously focusing on the digital experiences and that's really moving so fast nowadays Uh, and you have to react you have to kind of predict or react and uh, we've been learning over the last couple of years a lot how to work in the agile environment and taking agile training also for designers at the same time it's really hard to kind of stop and think in the environment. I learned, I went to US earlier this year to learn from a lot of people from my network who work in tech companies. One of them said that they, they're they really trying to learn about this dual-track agile thinking, that you have this you have your normal fast-paced agile process going on, but apparently you're trying to pull out people and have them like on this, they're still in the agile process, but they're trying to take time out and work on some bigger topics. And it's like, what do we do with sleep tracking? Or what does it mean to do routes and find routes for Suunto, for example, the kind of big, big concepts that you can't just like design in a day and then start executing. You have to take maybe weeks and understand who might, how people might be using them. And that's been really, really, that's I think is one of the next things. Like how do we, because always you have these fashionable phenomena in any business or any, any industry. So I think agile and I think design thinking, design sprints, they've been something we've been learning, trying to learn a lot over the last two years. so. But going forward, is like, how do you still kind of take time to or design the bigger things? How do you take the time and, and effort and maybe go back and slow down a little bit? So that's that's kind of what's intriguing for me. Yeah, the good thing is that you can still do things in a fairly quick manner. So I think... One one recent example was when we we launched the uh, we were designing the Suunto 9, the new flagship for sundo, mm-hmm. which I'm wearing. It's an <laughs> advertisement here. <laughs> so when we started working with well, the traditional way, would kind of designing the concept would have been the old way of working. Would have been that there's a there's a business target from the, the business guys saying okay, there's a certain price point, a certain volume, certain target market, and then the R&D guys would say okay, so we're probably going to look for certain price point we can build it with this price and then looking for x hours of talk time out of the use time and so and uh, what we did is a little bit different so we actually pulled in a cross-functional team and we we really wanted to try this i think it was the first kind of real design thinking approaches and uh at suunto so we pulled the team together and we locked them in the room practically for for a week and i said okay we need to define what this product actually what makes people tick And and funny enough, we actually did find it fairly quickly that people wanted the watch to be kind of, they wanted to trust that the watch lasts. So we're targeting people at Suunto who might be doing your ultra run, might be doing a full Ironman or go for mountains for a week. And obviously then the battery life and the kind of trustworthiness is super important. But we always talk about that which is pure numbers. It's like, okay, X hours, this and, and, you know, X G-forces of that and, temperature and whatnot and we actually started thinking that we we need to talk about this in a much more understandable way so we actually built this ended up taking all this insight that we gathered in a very very short time and built into very simple intelligent battery modes and say okay you just whenever you go out there you can choose to go for like super accurate mode you take your gps fix every second you get really accurate track or would you but you want to go for endurance mode, so actually you don't take fix so quickly, but you actually save your battery we got other ways to make the track more accurate. And uh, we ended up with a watch that you can you can train for 120 hours in a row. It's a pretty long exercise. Yeah. So, and it's been a it's been massively successful product. So I, that gives me confidence that you know, with all the flaws of questions about you know this fast pace kind of sprint and, and design thinking might have. It was really really kind of mind-blowing fast that you can get so such a great insight and make such a sort of product so that's that's been great and because we've been in the leadership team, we managed to push through this idea that we want to try and work this way
0: yeah yeah i think the dual tra- track mode is, is definitely something that that uh, works really well that you have the track that is pushing forward sprint after sprint after sprint and then you have the other one which is more like explorative where you can spend time and when you're ready you can then push it to the like to the development backlog Uh, you mentioned design sprint a few times Um, we we use design sprints quite a lot for different purposes but what i've noticed that companies use them for different purposes what do you use design sprints for Uh,
1: i think we're still training we practice we when we changed the organization in early 2017 one of my targets and top targets myself was that we i want to learn more how this could be part of our way of working and uh, really difficult to find kind of solid information about it and i think one of the findings was that there isn't really one way of doing it obviously it's it is like a philosophy of designing and you know like talk to people trying to get empathy with them and do iterative sprints and, and learn fast so it's kind of agile and you know ethnography in a, in a combination if you will but um, we started working on it like on these bigger kind of larger topics first like what is dive or what is like exploration or you know and we tried also we've been trying it with the uh, industrial design concepting. excuse me it doesn't really work that well there so we kind of have to adapt it. Like I said, to case, it actually worked quite well in a pretty focused product development. So I, I
0: think we're still in learning, learning stages like ways that you can use it and, and where not. Mm. That recently the podcast with uh, Jake Knapp, who is author of the Google Ventures Design Sprint book. Have you tried that process in, in at Armour Sports?
1: Yeah, we kind of, the, the process we built is... Pretty much along the lines of the Google Venture Sprint. So mm. we're trying to do cram things in about week stage. I think the first sprint we did was like took us a month, went from a month to three weeks, and now we're trying to cram things like in, in less than a week. So we've done three days s three-day sprints, which is kind of getting depending on the topic, it's a bit tight. But uh, I think we we're bring that's kind of the basis for the philosophy. And uh, we also hired an external consultant, kind of a, a person from academia, lectured in Stanford and Aalto University to help us to build. I think our
0: process is kind of amalgam of Google Ventures and many other models. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the like success factors in why the design sprint is so widely used nowadays is uh, obviously it was quite a it was like a handbook on how to do that the book but also the like the fact like we discussed earlier that the things are it's so fast paced and the design sprint can of like, promises that you within a week you go from a question to like, validated uh, ideas and it does fit for some some things it works really well but it's a it's a it's for some things there are like different kind of methods that are better
1: yeah, I, I think it works really well. If you have like if you have like service design concept or, or theme that fairly focused, you just wanna kind of learn about that area. Uh, with the maps or or something like this. But uh, I think once you start opening up wider it's like wider topic, it's I don't think it's realistic that you can do it in a week and, and just get to the kind of bottom of things and, and I think you have to do a lot of iteration afterwards. Mm. But uh i think i'm i'm kind of open-minded in a sense and i've (coughs) been trying i've been trying to talk to our people that and our leadership that it is a it's a mindset that you talk to people you're trying to understand who you're designing for and then you adapt according to your need at the time so if something takes a month takes takes a month that you kind of have to accept if something can be iterated in a week or a day it can be done we we tried both ways but uh I've always kind of been against this dogmatic approach that you have to do every single stage every single time same way I mean yeah not gonna work
0: yeah true true and then that especially is true when we uh, we do like experimenting Mm -hmm. on things that that's another thing that I I really like on how design and, and innovation is done today is that you don't have to build something for many many months and then you know whether this was the right thing to build <clears throat> even if you have done proper insights but you can actually run experiments and those are always like you you don't really know what the experiment needs to be when you start but yeah. when you at a certain point of the process then you can design the experiment okay how do we actually see whether this is attracting to the customers
1: yeah and i, I think that that's you, you hit it on the nail there so i think this whole experiment-based thinking is like somehow I still feel it's super difficult for companies and corporations, especially who have like you build something in large scale, you you, you sell hundreds of thousands or millions of some goods, or you're trying to launch a successful app, and somehow it's really difficult to get that okay. We we'll just experiment and try and see what happens, and it's so ingrained that we have to get it right in the first place. And uh, but I, I think it's like any anything and I think one of my responsibilities in the company is that we're trying to change the culture because that typically is the slowest to change and you have a lot of legacy you have always ongoing projects and you have people who you have your people who have learned and maybe been frustrated maybe been proud about the past experience so it's kind of that you you have to bring kind of new culture so we're trying to for example with this design thinking, experiment-led, kind of consumer-led concepting. We've been educating our teams, so just, we've been having a series of workshops and lectures for our people, one of them actually this week. And at the same time, you know that you have to go forward. You you have to take your teams and organize them somewhere, and at the same time, you have to look already for the next step yourself. That you don't get stuck in something. I think it would be terrible if I you or I, if we, we introduce something and we say, okay, this is my legacy and this is not gonna change for the next five years. I mean, not gonna happen in this world. So you kinda have to build something, get people moving, shape their mind, accept the change, because that's really s- slow to change and, and respect that it's it's slow to change and then at the same time look how you look forward to like what will be the next thing so that I don't I don't build
0: something, it might be outdated. Yeah. Too soon. Yeah. I think the change Constant change might be the legacy. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, totally. And I,
1: I think how you do it in a in a way that people don't get it, exhausted, and and you don't kind of eradicate your company's core business or the brand. So that's that's kind of super intriguing, like how you do it so that you don't cause havoc, but you kind of get the
0: kind of it's like a slow evolution of the company and mm. you wanna wanna be part of. And I also think that it's for designers why this kind of constant change is, is not as difficult to cope with as for maybe for some other professions is that we are kind of used to on living on the kind of unknown domain. Mm-hmm. Like we start something, a new project. We don't really know what the end result is. We go there with the open mind and questions. And that applies also to that kind of culture, like kind of company culture. If there's a transformation, like I think designers are quite much more equipped on handling the like what's the stress will be based on for, for the change because often the change is always a kind of risk for many people. Uh, you talked about uh, kind of like the constant change and, and, and as we've been discussing here, a lot of the things have changed like past few years, like the design sprint book came two years ago, uh, the like lean innovation methods are been populated by or, or used by many companies. If you would have the chance to look like five years ahead, what do you, what do you think would be the the topic of the day five years from now when we're doing another episode of maybe the episode 529 of this podcast? What are we talking about? It's it's super super scary to and hard to predict the
1: future. I'll probably be laughing five years on like my prediction. I think that one of the things. I would like to learn more about this, like this data-based design. So how do you actually design based on data and so that you, you don't just blindly follow the data, but at the same time, how you kind of use the data to build better solutions. Um, and speaking with the tech companies in, in West Coast, of the U.S. earlier this year, I think there's so much just, it seems like that's the phenomenon now that you just follow your impact and adapt so fast. And... Uh, I think also, I think the data and then the kind of how fast can we go? that's something that I think we we need to come to terms with. like how we probably can go still faster. We can change things faster, we can adapt faster, we can we can change the science faster and, and based on what people are using. So I don't think we we see the threshold yet and and certainly, we have a lot to learn at at Amherpotd Zo about it. But I I would be curious to know that where is the threshold? How much faster you can go? How much, where's the kind of limit that you can just take in data and and let data decide your designs for? Right, like, okay, I need to, I think there's going to be probably school of thought that, okay, you have a multiple, you have myriad ways of collect data about people using your services or predicting how people will be using the services. But I think there will be this new school of thought. Okay, how do you then yourself make decisions based on that? That would be my guess.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is interesting. The, like how the data and like okay. AI is, is gonna change the field of design. <clears throat> I was like a few years ago already at the Autodesk uh, talking to their uh, CTO there, and he was he was showcasing the like how they are using uh, their software to kind of, like build like skeletons for motorcycles. And it was, the process was so that they, they set the parameters and then the computer goes and simulates different kind of like shapes and forms and, and, and what are the, the best for that. And they connect kind of, for the designer. it was more on then choosing from the big variety of different kind of alternatives uh, that, okay, let's pick this one. But the actual like design work was done a lot but the structural part of it was done by kind of a machine. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite interesting. Interestingly also, it, it was that he was a, he had this 3D printed version of it and it was like quite similar to like bone structure, how like mm-hmm. animals and humans are, are built that that was the kind of strongest. So <laughs> evolution has worked its, it's way. It's super,
1: super exciting. I think it's like in any, any phenomenon that and we're humans, so we're, we're learning and we're adapting. So I think like the data and I think artificial intelligence-based tools typically i overestimate the short term and i think okay everything's going to be designed by ai i think it's a great example and we will learn how we actually how we get even better designers based on that so i mean when i when i enrolled the university i used to do my cad kind of my my engineering lessons drawing by hand Mm. and uh, only like later took on the cad tools i mean obviously was I a better designer because I was designing everything myself with bit of No. Of course you have to take the tools and learn. So I think same comes with AI and, and data that we're only now accepting the fact that yes, we need to take that in as one of the new inputs. And then on the next five years, I'm sure that we will find ways, what is our role so that we will be even better designers. Yeah. But I don't I, don't, I hope that we're not going to be kind of wiped out as, as humans, as designers by by kind of artificial intelligence on alone i think we're gonna we're gonna learn ways how we become even better using that
0: yeah. yeah well we'll see that like five years from now when we are listening to this podcast, yeah, to really gonna be, <laughs>
1: like what, to what kind of roles <laughs> are we gonna be
0: playing and then <laughs> i'm gonna be sweeping things somewhere yeah, yeah. but the, i think you also mentioned like a really important point there like actually drawing things on paper uh, And same thing applies to like working in front of whiteboards with the team versus like working in in front of computer and being able to do things really fast. The downside of being able to do things really fast is that then you don't have this kind of time for thinking or like this unconscious like organizing, organizing your thoughts in your head. So I really hope that the future designers, they will keep the kind of craft part of it as well, that they keep drawing and they keep thinking and then when they are ready with their thoughts, then they actually do do the work for a part yeah, me
1: too. I, I doodle all the time, and it's like a, almost like a joke in the office that I still doodle cars and watches, obviously, but I think it's great to let your mind blow. it's something very it's kind of comforting, it's something very organic, like human that at least I get to I let my mind flow much easier if yeah. I'm, if I'm sketching and doodling
0: yeah, okay. Hey uh, Antti, it's been really pleasure to have you here really interesting thoughts uh, you have a lot to give for the co- community and, and the people in your, your kind of role as well uh, do you have anything you want to say still for the audience or how can they actually get a hold of you if they want to continue discussions with you on these topics uh, I think it's been great, thanks Ezra, and, and really enjoy and looking forward to podcasts,
1: the podcast series um, I would just Leave for everybody that you know trying to get design to the leadership level and uh, fight for it, charm people for it because that really helps both your, you to develop as a designer, the design as a profession, and it helps the companies to develop. We've seen that, I, I think we have to prove. And uh, if anything, I mean, you can always just catch me through LinkedIn, auntie Kuyela, or then just send me an email, auntie.quella at Okay.
0: It's been a pleasure talking to you today about design and innovation. Thank you for joining our podcast and we are looking forward on hearing from you again. Thank you.